0: Hey, everybody, welcome to Reese's Peace, my podcast where I talk about whatever I feel like talking about. It is what is today, September 27th, 2021. It's a Monday evening, it's just about 6 p.m. here, at Denver time. Alyssa just slipped off to go to uh, her moonlighting shift for tonight. And I'm back at it. Uh, Let's see. This is episode 48, if I didn't already mention that. Uh, Let's see here. When was the last one? The last one was on the 15th. So, yeah, we're, uh, we're just about two weeks out from that. So, I might get to... 50 or 52 episodes to average one a week uh, by the time I reach my anniversary. I'm not really sure my anniversary of, of the podcast, that is. I am I'm, uh, i don't really remember when I started this thing, but it's got to be coming up. I want to say like October, maybe. So I better get with it because October is just around the corner. So anyway, um, what is up? Um, rhetorical question for you, mostly for me. What is up with Reese? What has been happening uh well so i uh, I think I mentioned in my last episode that I was doing some physical therapy for my knees um had some uh some pain on dirt biking you know toward the end of my dirt biking rides that I'm trying to sort out and um so I went to physical therapist and he gave me some exercises and I've been doing those um strength exercises like every other day and then stretching like multiple times a day between two and four times a day to make sure i stretch out my quads real good and stretch out all the other other pertinent muscles in my legs Uh, so i did get a chance about i don't know some like a week and a half ago now weekend before last uh, to go out and uh, test that so i went out to captain jack's place out in Colorado Springs and I rode the, this loop that we usually ride, which, um, uh, I was actually really interested in riding it by myself. Um, and I did ride it by myself cause I couldn't, uh, I couldn't find anybody else to ride with and I didn't want to slow anybody down and, and just kind of wanted to get it, uh, you know, feel it out myself and and not have to worry about, um, anybody else out there. So, um, I did, go on that ride by myself. I took all my equipment and and that's a pretty populated trail. So I wasn't too worried about, um, you know, becoming incapacitated and and dying in the wilderness. So I, uh, I did that route and, um, (laughs) I would say our, our record for the longest time spent on that route was like eight and a half hours. That was cause we had like five people. And one of them was a brand new rider that we picked up in the parking lot. I picked up in the parking lot. We'll do that again. And um, so this time I finished up in two and a half hours, which was pretty cool. Um, would have actually been shorter uh, if it wasn't for, you know, a couple of um, hiker incidents, I guess we'll call it. Um, you know, I was there was nothing like super confrontational, but this this trail is particularly prone So uh, we are particularly prone to getting um, lightly harassed by hikers on that particular trail. And so what I mean by that is, um, and I shouldn't say that because they're really just, they think they know something and it turns out that it is mistaken. But for all they know, they are right and we are not supposed to be there. So the situation is this. That area is frequented by hikers and um, mountain bikers, so mountain cyclists, if you will, uh, so as to keep the dirt bike and bicycle um, separation there. Uh, So there's a lot of hikers, a lot of cyclists out there, and then, of course, there's a lot of dirt bikers out there that that, um, like to ride that trail. And so uh, I got out there early. I was on the trail by, like, I don't know, 7.15. No, sorry, 8.15 thereabouts and um so i got i got quite a ways up there and then i got kind of to like almost the high point like literally the 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 peak of the ride um and uh i ran across this big group of of hikers that were hiking up to it turned out i found out later uh to spread um a woman's husband's ashes um, so the, the woman was part of the hiking group and, uh, unbeknownst to me at the time, I came across them kind of early in the trail, uh, really a group of like five of them. And they were very nice. Uh, they let me go by and, and, you know, I tried not to make any dust and try not to spin tires or anything like that. And, and, um, uh, continued on up the trail and, uh, they warned me that there was going to be, I don't know, 15, 10 or 15 more people. In front of them all kind of as a part of their group so i was like okay be prepared for that so as i continued on up the trail uh i got to another kind of smallish group of like five people you know they they kind of spread out after a while and uh this the, the the guy that i came across the first first guy that i came across from that group he's kind of standing off to the side of the trail um kind of looking at me shaking his head and and i kind of, you know, it's a tough section and uphill section. So I'm kind of like bouncing around and, and, and kind of maneuvering. And then I get to a point kind of at that slight crook in the trail. And I stopped and, and I was like, Hey, you know, you having fun today? And, and uh, he was like, yeah, he's like, you're not supposed to be here. And I was like, uh, yeah, this is a, this is a motorized trail. And he's, he's like, I, I don't know. I was like, I'm, I'm just repeating what the other guys in front of me are saying, but they're saying that this is not a motorized trail. and I've definitely had this conversation before with people on that trail and the signs say at the beginning of the trail, you're definitely allowed to have motorcycles on that trail. Um, It's a little further up where the trail splits and you can actually go to the peak. And at that point, motorcycles are not allowed to go to the peak. Motorcycles have to continue down the other side. And so he was all right. he was all right with that. Um, took my word for it. And uh, so then I continued on, so as not to slow him down anymore, and um, caught up to the third kind of collection, which was just a bunch of people, kind of like single filing it up the trail. Probably ten to fifteen of them, all in a row. And I'm, you know, I'm just kind of putting up. You know, I can't go very fast up. This, this is a rocky single track uphill type situation to get up to uh, the peak of Mount Rosa. And um I, it was obvious. Um It should have been pretty obvious to at least somebody in that group that somebody on a motorcycle was behind them. And, you know, I was like 15 to 20 feet away from the last person, you know, just kind of gaining on them but slowly you know at the pace that they're going and the pace that i was going so it became clear to me at some point that um they knew i was there but they weren't going to let me by they were just going to keep walking um, they made no indication of of uh, getting off the trail or anything so i just stopped and uh and waited and of course the other groups that were lagging behind them um caught up with me and <laughs> and kind of thought that I was taking a break and and I was but um, not by choice uh, by necessity so I kind of explained to them that you know it didn't seem like they wanted me to pass so I figured I would just wait for everybody to get to the top and then I will continue on uh, so everybody continued on past me and, and I waited a little bit and um, I, I kind of got impatient and I waited long enough to where I was pretty confident that that first that that um, the, the farthest ahead group that didn't want me to pass was, um, you know, at the point where they took the the fork in the road that I couldn't take and I I would have to go the other way so I could get past everybody. Um, So unfortunately, I then had to repass everybody and, and, you know, make a little bit of dust and a little bit of exhaust, which, you know, I don't like doing, but at the same time, you know, it was was kind of disrespectful for them to do what they're doing. But again, I think they... They thought they were in the right. They thought, honestly, that motorcycles weren't allowed in that point of the trail, but um, they're wrong. the The signs indicate that we are allowed. Um, so anyway, got up up to the high point and then continued on down the other side. And um, yeah, I was uh, I was I was going pretty good and and not really having, you know, I could feel my knee, my my left knee specifically is is the one that gives me the most trouble. I could feel it, um, not really painful, but I could, you know, kind of just feel that something was there. It's not just a normal fluid motion, uh, which is pretty normal, um, especially kind of toward the middle or the end of my ride. And, uh, you know, it started to get a little bit more pronounced toward the end of my ride. So, um, you know, I was, I, was, I was trying to be easy, but be smooth and, and quick, trying to get back to the truck. And I, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I was kind of headed down this, uh, this trail that, that is kind of like one of the last stretches, you know, five or 10 miles away from the truck and, um, cruising along. And I, I, passed this one guy who was going the same direction as me. He was a, a hiker, a, a trail runner, and he was running along. He got out of the way and let me by, So I, you know, waved, waved him on and, um, continued on my way. And then it wasn't just a short distance after that, there was a woman, um, come in the opposite direction, um, a trail runner, had appeared, or maybe just a, a hiker, but anyway, on foot, and uh, so she was coming the opposite direction, and, and I didn't expect to see her, so I kind of, you know, I came up on her a little bit faster, because I was, you know, getting ahead of, of that other guy, um, trying to m- make a gap, so I didn't leave too much dust um, and exhaust for him to breathe, and then caught right up to her, and so I kind of, like, grabbed the binders and, and kind of locked him up, and you know i i was able to easily stop within like 12 feet of her um like 12 feet from her without getting within 12 feet of her so um you know it wasn't like i was in danger of colliding with her and, and she heard me or saw me and, and was off the trail anyway but you know i made a point to stop so that i wouldn't you know just like whiz by her um and i like to stop and talk to people so anyway i, I stopped and i was like you know i'm i'm really sorry about that i didn't even see you there. I just passed this other guy. And, and she, again, you're not supposed to be here. And I was like, um, oh, yeah? And, and she said, yeah, this is, uh, this. her exact words were, this is not a mountain biking trail. And I, and I said, uh, this is a motorized trail. And she said, no, no, it's not. And she said, the signs say, uh, it's not a motorized trail. And I said, oh, oh, really? And I was like, is that like a recent thing? And she said, yeah. And I was like, oh, shoot and and then she kind of continued on she was like yeah in 2017 and i was thinking to myself well i've i've lived here since 2019 that's two years after that and i've been riding this trail a couple times a season since then and it's been open to motorcycles that entire time so i said well at the top of the trail that i just got on here the signs say that i'm allowed on this and she goes oh okay well i'll have to let the rangers know that um you know, they need to change that because this was all closed down to motorized vehicles. And I was like, yeah, I, you know, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't know. I mean, if it's closed to motorcycles, it certainly isn't labeled that way. And she was like, yeah, you know, thanks for letting me know. And I'll, I'll let the Rangers know because they were closing this down for, um, she said, made mention of some, some kind of thing about saving some trout. And I thought in my head, I was thinking, well, what does, I don't understand you know, I'm sure there's a logical explanation, I hope so, but what does a trout have to do with a dirt trail on the side of a mountain? Um, those are very different habitats, but, you know, anyway, so I continued on, and uh, the end of the trail wasn't but, you know, another 100, 150 yards up, and um, so I, I stopped and turned around to make sure that I could look at the sign, and I saw the sign. And the sign at that end of the trail that she had just come from, that she was claiming said that motorcycles weren't allowed, clearly says at the very bottom of the sign, hikers, cyclists, and motorcycles are allowed. So I took a picture of it and I turned around. um, Well, I was already turned around, but I took a picture of it and then headed back the trail that I had just come down past the guy, the trail runner guy again. And so I stopped and apologized to him. I was like, I'm sorry about this. I just um needed to let her know that that this sign would need to be changed too if that was the case. So he was like, "All right, yeah." I and mean, he continued on. So I went up and, and caught her and and I was like, "Hey, so the sign at the, at the beginning of the trail that you just came from also says that I'm allowed here. So um if uh you know, if that top one needs to be changed, then this bottom one needs to be changed too." And she goes, "Oh, okay." And I was like, "I took a picture of it if you want to see." And she's like, "No, I believe you." And I was like, "Okay. So um anyway, I gotta go turn around, so I'm gonna go up the trail a little ways and then come back. So I, you know, I'll be back through here. And she's like, "Yeah, no worries, just you do you." So uh, anyway, continued on back to the back to the truck. Um, finished up in, in two and a half hours. So I, I, you know, probably probably lost I don't know maybe 20 minutes waiting and and doing things that I wouldn't normally do. Um, on that ride. So it's it's really a lot shorter of a ride than than two and a half hours or at least a little bit shorter than two and a half hours. So got back to the truck loaded up at that point, it was still like morning. So it was a good opportunity for me to get back and, um, stop at the motorcycle shop on the way back and, and get some, some supplies that I needed to get anyway. So, um, yeah, it was just, it was just interesting. You know, like I, I constantly get that from people at that, at that particular riding spot. And it's, it's really annoying because, you know, I know because I've now gotten this several times where I'm allowed and where I'm not allowed. And I know what the signs say, but other people who have not had this conversation because people probably don't stop. Dirt bikers probably don't stop and talk to them about it. um, They haven't been shown that it's it's clearly we are allowed there. So anyway, I mean, I'm not going to stop riding there. I'm just going to keep talking to people about it. So anyway, it's a good riding spot. It's a good technical loop only 28 miles or something like that but it's a good good uh good technical loop definitely a good tryout for the knees um turned out my knees just started aching like crazy on the drive home so um that was not ideal and then for the next couple of days it wasn't great either <coughs> ironically before that um so the week before that which was two weeks after my first physical therapy appointment I hadn't gone riding yet, so I had no status updates on my knees and how the exercises were working out with my knees, but I did have some back pain that I wanted uh, um, the physical therapist to check out. So um, he kind of looked me over, and, and somebody had said at one point that it might be a herniated disc. Turns out it was not, in his best judgment, not a herniated disc. It just has, you know, it's probably just repetitive bending at a particular point in my low back that... um you know, I've just got bad form, and so he, you know, kind of made made note of that to me, and and gave me some some exercises to add to my routine. And anyway, in the process of of kind of twisting me up, trying to determine whether or not I had a herniated disc, um, something kind of you know misaligned or whatever, because ever since then, and that's that's now been coming up on on two weeks. Um, so this Wednesday, I guess, will be two weeks ago that um, uh, my left knee clicks like with every step and is super, super annoying. And then after a while, it starts to get sore, I assume, from the clicking because it didn't really happen before. And so I'm not really sure what to make of that because he didn't even touch my knees. We didn't do any leg work. It was only back stuff. So, I mean, it, it's not to say that he couldn't have, you know, twisted up some of the tendons and whatever that cross your your pelvis that control kind of the same uh that control some of the muscles in your patella or, or move your patella and, and and things like that so i don't know it's just been super annoying this whole thing is just kind of frustrating with the knees uh trying to trying to rehab the knees and and you know i've I just wish there was a clear cut answer, but you kind of just have to do some exercises and see if it starts to help. And I honestly can't tell if it helped at all, but I'll tell you what didn't help is whatever, whatever tests the doc was doing to, to determine what was going on with my back seems to have fucked up my knee in a way that it wasn't fucked up before. And so that's really unfortunate. It does seem to be getting a little bit better, but you know, it's not happening quickly i'll tell you that for sure so um i am looking forward to going back to the physical therapist in a week or two Here was is, is my next appointment he's so slammed like i i have to book him like a month out and then hopefully there's a cancellation in between but this time there doesn't seem to be um so anyway gonna go back and and hopefully you know talk to him about my progress and and where that pain was that i felt while i was riding and and that type of thing and and uh you know obviously keep on my exercises until then so it's just a real bummer um but uh you know i'll I'll try anything i'm i'm working on strengthening my hammies and my glutes and and uh laying off the quads so um hopefully just with time it'll get better um just i seems like i'm just gonna have to like retrain my muscles when I'm standing and, and, you know, riding my dirt bike, riding my bicycle, so that I use more of my butt and hamstrings, which is kind of tough. You know, it's a a conscious effort, but um, I've noticed that there are a couple of positions. If, like, if I arch my back, you know, while I'm standing and cranking on the pedals while I'm cycling, that does seem to engage my glutes and my hamstrings more. And the same thing kind of with my dirt bike. If I kind of lean forward, arch my back... Um, and, and, uh, you know, kind of in that position that at forward attack position that seems to take the load off the quads and, and give me some relief. So I'm just going to have to try and work that position into my, uh, normal riding stance, which is, uh, it's going to be hard to untrain all those years of, of, um, of standing up in a different way. So anyway, so that's that, um, that's kind of the big lengthy physical therapy update, but, um. Yeah. More to come on that, I guess. I mean, I, I've heard that, you know, it takes months, maybe up to like six months before I really see some s- substantial improvement there. I hope it doesn't take that long, but, you know, we're also coming into winter. So it's going to be few and far between that I actually get a ride to test these things, which is unfortunate. But I want to be honest with you, I, I didn't really want to ride the following weekend. I could have ridden this last weekend, which would have been, you know, two weekends in a row after that first time I just you know it was just so kind of disheartening during the ride it was fine but afterward it was just so painful that it was just you know it was disheartening um and and just not motivating for me to ride again the following weekend and go through that again just didn't seem didn't seem right I didn't want to cause any any damage um you know long-term damage and uh you know it just it wasn't very pleasant so uh you know I don't want to do that. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, so that was that. Uh, I guess that was kind of like one big thing and, and uh, you know, there's not a hell of a lot of other big things going on, but the other big thing that happened is I got some shit burgled from my garage, man. That was a real bummer. Um, and so, so here's the details. So I, I usually open the garage doors. You know, we've got one two car garage door and one single car garage door. And so I, you know, they're side by side. So I open them both about a foot and a half to two feet uh, in the evening time to let it cool off in there. Cause that's where the sun hits in the evening. And then uh, I like to, you know, let it cool off in there. And then I close them before I go to bed so that at, you know, that's not just feeding heat into the house, which is not as critical this time of the year. Now that, you know, the weather is starting to get cool and it's much cooler in the, in the evenings uh, and overnight than it is during the day, but uh, I, I still had been doing that. And so this one time, I forgot to close the garage doors before I went to bed. And um, so I do have cameras inside the garage. I have wise cams inside the garage, one kind of shooting at the, the small door and one kind of stagger you know kind of in the middle shooting at the two car door. <clears throat> which is the side that my truck and my dirt bikes and all my tools are on and Alyssa parks in the single car side and uh, so um, so like I said I do have cameras in there and I do have alerts set up where um, when the garage door is opened or closed I get a notification on my phone uh, when the wise camera either of them detects motion or um, a sound I get an alert on my phone but all my alerts are silenced when I'm sleeping for obvious what seems like obvious reasons but if it's not obvious to you that you know we get moths in there or even like a spider web is, is a pretty common thing to just go across there and and uh, and you know cause that thing to essentially just go off all night you know alarm after alarm and so that that can get pretty annoying and uh, so each of those wise cams has a 32 gig um SD card that it records video locally uh so it records I get a notification for every event on my phone and so I can see like a 14 second or 12 second blip of what's going on uh, where it detected motion or sound but it also records playback for as far back as 32 gigs will get you which is like at least a week I think it's like two weeks worth of uh, continuous playback um so, anyway, uh, that's kind of the scenario. And um, so, I le- like I said, I left the garage doors cracked uh, about a foot and a half to two feet open overnight. And uh, at about 3.30 in the morning, a couple of guys drove through the alley and stopped in front of um, my garage door. Uh, and then they crawled under the garage door and kind of looked through both our cars. There's nothing valuable in our cars. And then went over to um, the one guy who didn't seem very sharp, went over and grabbed my bicycle, which is kind of like near the back of the garage, um, opposite the garage doors, and and like moved it toward the garage doors as if he was going to try and steal it. But there's like really no good way for him to squeeze between the car, the back of each of our cars, and the garage door to get it out. And so he just kind of leaned it against Alyssa's car. And... Um, you know, when when the guys crawled under the garage door, they crossed the beam that uh, the beam of light that um, recognizes that uh, somebody's there, and it'll stop the door from closing if it's closing. But it also turns on the garage door opener light, and so they had plenty of light to work with in the garage to see what they were stealing. And uh, so anyway, um, Macy started barking at some point, and it was at that point that. I recognized that she was barking. I could hear that she was barking. I was awake um, at that time. I mean, I wasn't uh, out of bed. I was still in bed, but I was awake. And I could hear her barking, and I could tell that she was barking far away because our bedroom is above the front of the house and the garage is at the back of the house. And so usually Macy barks at the front of the house because that's the window that she looks out. So usually I can hear her pretty plainly barking underneath our bedroom but this time I could hear her barking and it was far away which I recognized that that was different and that was weird but I still did not get up and do anything about it and I didn't look at my phone to see that I had a bunch of alerts from the garage and um, so anyway um, all the things happened I just didn't didn't heed them but in all honesty like let's think about this people are like what am I going to do in that situation. Like the best thing that I could have done was just close the garage door before I went to bed because these guys didn't try to open the garage door anymore. I made it very easy for them. They slipped under and, and that was that they, they didn't open it anymore. They stole what was easy to grab and they left pretty quickly. And so, um, the best thing that I could have done was just close the damn door. And, and so let's, let's be real here. People like, I don't need any more security, I, I, what would I have done even if I had recognized in the moment that there was somebody in the garage? Like if I were to confront them, that doesn't seem like a good idea. You know, I, I mean, I'm not going to try and pull a gun on somebody who's in my garage stealing shit. Like that doesn't seem like a good idea. I'm not going to, you know, the only thing that I can do from the remote location, even if I was standing in the garage is close the garage door because when i hit the garage door buttons the first thing they would do is close i couldn't even open them first they would have to close first and then open so i couldn't even just like open the garage doors all the way uh, so there's there's really no good thing i i could have you know looked at the camera and then spoken through the camera which would just spook them and then they might like scratch or break something hauling ass out of there which i don't want and, uh, I mean, maybe I could have stopped them from stealing something, but at, at what cost? You know, like, I'm okay with them stealing the things that they stole, and I'll get to that in a minute. But I am not okay with them damaging our vehicles, you know, like putting a scratch in our vehicles. That, to me, is a way, way bigger deal than, like, a few discreet tools that they ended up taking. You know, I don't need... A big scratch down the side of my truck. I don't, you know, I don't need paint removed from either of our cars. That is a big deal to me. So, honestly, like, there's nothing that I would have done in that moment. Um, the best thing that I could have done was just close the garage door. So, in the meantime, since then, I have set a um, a thing up basically that says, you know, at 10 p.m. every night, if the garage door is open. Close those bitches. So I I have that set up now. And and I double check every time I lock the door that goes from the house to the garage um, that the garage doors are closed. But um, so in all honesty, like the best thing that I could have done to protect my shit was just close the fucking doors. So, um, yeah, that's that's that. There's there's really like there's not much better security than that. All the things were in place and they all worked. And uh, the the biggest thing was just me forgetting to close the garage door. So here's the situation. So that one guy is kind of doofy, milling through our vehicles, moved my bicycle out towards the garage door, didn't end up doing th- anything with it. Then another guy kind of slips in and he, um, I had these little like um, produce trays that I use as drawers underneath my workbench that had. My father-in-law's angle grinder, Makita angle grinder that was damn near new had like, you know, I've used it like three times and then my Dremel kit, uh, with all the bits and stuff in it. So that was in one drawer. So he recognized that there was that stuff in and, and mind you, I've got two dirt bikes and a bunch of, bunch of uh, a full, um, you know, four and a half foot tall craftsman drawer toolbox full of tools and miscellaneous things. And then my dirt bike gear, and all that stuff just sitting there. They were looking for easy stuff, so they didn't even open any of the drawers in the toolbox. And I can see what they're doing. So I, I know mostly what they took. Um, they they pulled that drawer out from underneath my uh, workbench that had the angle grinder and the Dremel kit. And then the other guy came over and was looking at the top of the workbench. And right there, I had a plastic clamshell Craftsman mechanics toolkit. It's like a 154-piece toolkit that was, um, you know, before they started making them in China, they're USA-made and, and uh, apparently very durable, according to Blevins. You know, those are some good-ass tools. And I really like those tools. I've had them for a while, and I, I really like them. Um, so anyway, those were sitting there. And then another smaller plastic clamshell case full of um, 3H drive Allen and Torx bits. And so they just collected those two things. And then that drawer that I just mentioned and they walked out. So all in all, um, not too bad. It ended up, ended up being like, I don't know, 600 bucks to replace all that stuff, which was much less than my deductible. And, and you know, you can't buy that craftsman kit anymore. You have to buy a different one. And, and so anyway, I, I bought something different anyway. And, So all things considered, um, you know, our homeowner's insurance deductible is at least $1,000. And so it's not really worth reporting in on that and having, uh, you know, a hit on our homeowner's insurance and that going up next year. So, I, you know, we just ended up, you know, taking the hit. And I feel very fortunate that that's all that they took. Um, And so I, you know, I got up at like, I don't know five o'clock or something or five you know 5 30 you know 5 I guess I got up and I noticed there are all these alerts and usually I just kind of um, you know I kind of vaguely pay attention to the little screenshot that it'll show me in in the notifications area of my phone and and if I don't see anything uh, nefarious in there then I'll just kind of swipe it away but this time it seemed like there were a lot and uh, the light was on and so I was like okay well I gotta check this out and It's like, oh shit. So, you know, I ran down in there in my underwear and of course they were gone at that point. But um, yeah, so um, I did, you know, I I obviously caught video of both the guys. One guy had a mask on and pretty baggy clothing like the entire time. So there's really no good way to tell who he is. Uh, The other guy had no mask on and was wearing like a, a hoodless sweatshirt and was a bald white guy. Um, kind of older, maybe, you know, late 40s, 50s, maybe 60s, smoking something um, as he was walking around looking through the garage. So some of the video might be helpful to the police. Um, we'll see. Uh, and then some of the neighbors have alley cameras that caught, um, you know, caught the car that they were driving, but you can't really tell what kind of car it was or the license plate because the lights kind of blur out the plate. Um, and they kind of went by the camera so fast you can't really tell what car it is. But, it you know, it's a dark-colored, like, four-door hatchback or four-door sedan type thing. So what it looked like, probably stolen, according to the police. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I, I turned over. You know, I called the police the, the next morning, to, uh, and I collected my video and, and report the burglary. And, and uh, they sent somebody over. And, um, so I gave them the video footage that I had and we watched the video together so that they could see where on the cars, these people touched and then dusted for fingerprints on our vehicles. And they weren't very confident in the prints that they got. Um, which, you know, I don't expect a lot to come from this. I, I mean, I, I hope that they catch the guys just so that they, you know, they suffer the consequences of their actions. Like you're not supposed to do that. Like, Um, I'm, you know, I'm glad that they didn't take very much stuff, and obviously they needed it more than I do, and so, you know, it's a a shitty situation all around, you know, for somebody to be in that situation where they had to do this because they very well didn't seem like well off dudes, so, um, it's shitty, but you know you can't do that. So if um, if they get caught, good. If they don't, I mean, that's um, unfortunate, but. You know, there's worse things, I suppose. Uh, so, yeah, the guy the guy came and dusted for prints. I gave him my video. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of all I expect to hear about it. Apparently, they hit a bunch of other houses, you know, uh, trying to open car doors and things on the curb and, and uh, stealing things off of people's porches and stuff like that. So um, these guys were doing quite a bit that evening, it turns out or that early morning um so the police kind of have their hands full but um the detective that i talked to a couple days later that called me was um was very glad that i had the video in the garage because i guess that was um you know the most uh clear picture of who the people were uh as compared to like the ring doorbell cameras and other things that caught them um so i guess that's good i'm glad that, that was helpful but no i I don't expect in any way to get my tools back. I have no traceability of any of those tools, no serial numbers, nothing like that. So there's no way for me to know if they're my tools even if they were to find a stash. So at the very most, um, the detective was saying that if they if they find items that do have serial numbers and there are some other items with it, then I'm you know I'm, I might be able to claim some of that stuff um, some of my stuff if it's, if it's in that lot, but, um, chances are real slim. So I'm, I'm not holding my breath on that one. I, I didn't really expect anything to come of it. Um, just kind of helping them do what they can do. So anyway, um, I discovered that, uh, I'm kind of vulnerable without those tools that they stole. Cause I actually don't have, um, like that, those kits have my ratchets. I don't have any other ratchets like in my toolbox outside of those I't I don't, um, i do not have any ratchets and and a lot of my like smaller sockets um i I don't have duplicates of those outside of those kits and uh, um, so there was just uh, a feeling of nakedness when those were stolen you know now i I don't have that stuff and so um i I've mentioned it before that I really like, buying things like i'm a terrific consumer but i i i don't enjoy as it turns out i've I've just recently learned i don't enjoy buying things to replace items that i didn't plan on replacing that's um and and maybe that's not even encompassing all of it but i'll tell you in this situation I did not enjoy trying to find replacement items because I just felt like naked without them, and like rushed to get replacement tools. And I did consult my uh, my buddy uh, Josh Blevins. Shout out to Blevins um, on you know what was some good decent tools to buy that weren't going to break the bank and be like you know Matco or Snap On. I don't need to go that you know highfalutin. So. He recommended the Lowe's brand cobalt because it's you know inexpensive and in recent years the quality's been getting pretty good. So I took his word for it and I uh, ended up buying two kits to replace the single kit, uh, the single mechanics kit that I had, and uh, and then the basically the exact same Torx and Allen kit that um, apparently they still sell. And then I you know I replaced the Dremel and the and the bits and um, replaced Mike's, um, uh, angle grinder. And, uh, yeah, so there were some other miscellaneous things inside the clamshell toolkit that I had that, um, you know, I may find that I need, there was one of them that was like a non-marring, uh, 21 millimeter socket that you use for taking off lug nuts. So that, you know, it's got like a Teflon sleeve around it so that it doesn't scratch up your rims while you're taking off your, uh, your lug nuts. So I bought one of those and, and I think there was a double wobbly in there, which is, you know, it's what I call it. So my dad and I call it, it's, it's, uh, like a six inch impact extension, uh, with two consecutive, uh, swivels and then a socket also pinned onto it. So it's, it's one solid piece that are pinned with all these different components to it. And so it's for, uh, for taking out spark plugs in, in tough to reach engines. So, um, I think that was in there along with a few extensions um you know like eighths extensions like six inch and nine inch extension pieces that I had just kind of floating in that clamshell that I might have to repurchase but uh yeah so I I ended up replacing all that stuff um haven't gotten all of it yet uh I think the the main toolbox I'm still waiting on to replace a lot of the tools but um I've got all the other stuff, so I don't feel as naked now. And and uh, again, I feel pretty fortunate that it wasn't all that much stuff that they took. So yeah, that was um, that was a bummer. That was uh, Wednesday night. No, well, I guess Thursday. Excuse me. Thursday morning of last week. Um, like I said, it was about three thirty in the morning. <clears throat> Damn, must have inhaled something. Ooh. So, uh, yeah, that was, um, the excitement at the end of my week last week, kind of unfortunate, but, uh, anyway, got all my stuff done and, and, uh, you know, kind of just ready to move on from it. One interesting thing that, that I learned coming out of that though, is like social media is fucking crazy, man. Like I'm, I have a Facebook, um, but I don't use it for social things. I use it for Facebook Marketplace and my Reese Rides page, where I just post my videos, just to, you know, show everybody. You know, for people who aren't on YouTube regularly, they can see that I posted a video on YouTube because I shared it to my Facebook page, um, that is Reese Rides Facebook page. But anyway, um, I posted on Nextdoor coincidentally. I had uh, just signed up for the app. Well, I had, I had already had account uh, an account on Nextdoor um, previously, but uh, I had just downloaded and signed into the app like the day before, and I'll get to why in a minute. But um, I I had downloaded the app, and so like that next day, I took a screenshot of the video and just posted, you know, to the neighborhood, just kind of like a warning, like, hey. A couple of guys broke into my garage early this morning and stole some stuff. So, you know, kind of just to let everybody know that this does happen. So, we're, you know, you, you do need to lock your stuff up and, and just be careful and, you know, just do your due diligence and you probably won't get your shit burgled like me, you know, learn from me. Don't do like me, as Joe says. So um, anyway, like it it was short order and people just started blowing up my fucking phone with all these like notifications of people chiming in with shit that was stolen from their house from the same two guys and and other people chiming in with stories that were unrelated which I don't understand why people do that um unrelated to this specific event and uh yeah so that was that was really interesting I finally had to just turn off notifications for that post cuz I was like you know fuck this like nothing's going to come of this I don't need to hear a bunch of other people just like bitching about this I'm ready to move on I don't I don't want to like linger here and lament about it that's not really the point I was just trying to warn people so I'm done with that I'm done with that social media is crazy so I, I turned off notifications for that post and and uh, every once in a while I'll get um, a notification here and there from the nextdoor app but I'm starting to get annoyed by it We'll see if I keep it but uh, so the reason why I downloaded the nextdoor app, and and have been perusing like the meetup app and maybe one other place or maybe that was it. I don't know. I think it was just those two places. I realized that I don't have very many friends here in Colorado and it's just kind of annoying that um, you know, I don't I vent to my microphone like I am right now every few weeks, you know, and it's it's just not as constructive. I don't, you know, it is good, but I don't I don't feel as constructive. I don't feel as satisfied with it as I do. You know, if I'm talking to somebody, and uh, we're just kind of hanging out. Um, and you know, it's it would just be nice to have more friends here in Colorado because all of my friends are either in California or Wisconsin, with the exception of my riding buddies Joe and Max. I haven't forgotten about you, buds. Uh, really. Appreciate you guys and I'm really grateful for you and I really enjoy our time together. But, you know, you guys got your own shit going on and you're kind of far away. So um, it's kind of nice. It would be kind of nice to have more friends. Those two guys are like my only Colorado friends. And so I'm sure that it is not the case that the other two of us are that person's only friends. So um, I want to make some Colorado friends, you know, some people that I can shoot the shit with. And, uh, um, in addition to the guys that I already have. And so I started looking into like the meetup groups and, um, you know, I found one that looked interesting, but it was like downtown and, you know, that the meetup group met downtown and and they really like to drink and I'm kind of not really drinking right now and I don't really like to drink that much anyway. And plus I would have to come home from that. And I don't wanna go downtown. So that was kind of like, you know, the best option that I could find, but so many obstacles for my preferences. I'm I'm so picky. I don't wanna do these things, you know, and I I don't I don't want I was telling Alyssa, I I just wanna to get to that point where I have a good friend, like we're already good buds, where I can just like sit and chill with this person at my house or their house and just kinda of shoot the shit and not have to like You know, worry about the awkwardness of small talk or like go to an event where we're, you know, I don't know, like (laughs) what do people do on meetup? What do these groups do? I go in and play in chess or Scrabble or some shit like that. Like that's not, I just want to get to the point where I have friends. And so that was kind of the point where I was like, man, like making friends is tough, especially when you don't work at a company that is local And so um, I was starting to concede that I'm probably just going to have to give in and go to some of these meetup groups that I don't really have any interest in the activities that they do just so that I can probably meet, hopefully meet somebody who's decent enough to be friends with and and come away with a friend. But I feel like, I think that the chances of that are kind of limited. And so I was kind of getting discouraged. But I also had the opportunity, Alyssa invited me to go out to the beer garden with uh, the Lowry Beer Garden with uh, a couple of, well, there were supposed to be more um, medical people, which I really don't, uh, you know, I don't like to, don't want to go out with medical people because the conversation is just dominated by medicine and I have no experience in medicine and I don't have any interest in talking about it. And so that just gets really annoying being... I'm the like the only non-medicine person there. And so I was hoping that there would be a bigger group that the conversation could branch out to more things other than medicine. But it turned out that it was only three other people besides me and Alyssa that showed up because these people are very unreliable, which is also very annoying. And, um, I we had a good time. We had a good time. The conversation obviously was a lot like medicine related because that's like all of their lives. Gag me, but um, yeah. So it we, we did have a good time. It was nice to get out. Uh, I did. I had fun. You know, we we talked about other things and and even some of the medicine stuff was slightly interesting. So it was good to get out and practice my social skills because I don't I don't do that enough. I don't I don't think um. So that was good, but then uh, then I was uh, I was turned onto well so I was browsing the meetup and the next door groups and I, I didn't really find anything good on those so then I, you know I figured I might as well just branch out to Alyssa's friends for now until I can figure out what I'm gonna do and so then I discovered um, or I was turned onto um, this group called the Mankind Project. Um, which apparently was started in Wisconsin and is all over the place. It um, was started in Wisconsin in like the 80s, 84, I think, but is all over the place now, and there's groups all over the place, and um, there's a couple of groups here in the Denver area. Um, and so the gist of the Mankind group seems a little bit clinical, like a little bit therapeutic to me, which is, um, you know, it's I think it's a good step, Uh, I don't have a specific therapeutic issue that I want to talk about in these things. So um, I I still need to get some more information. I reached out to the local group volunteer leader dudes. And, and so, you know, one of them reached back out and I, am going to, I'm going to give them a call tomorrow and kind of get the gist of, you know, what I'm looking for, what the club has to offer and, uh, or club group, whatever. I mean, club sounds kind of weird, but, um, what the group has to offer and like what they do. And, and, uh, I think, I think our interests are aligned, but that's kind of what I want to feel out. And, and hopefully these guys are just kind of looking for what I'm looking for, you know, just looking for some good people to hang out with. Um, so we'll see how that goes. That's uh, I got to give that guy a call back tomorrow. Um, and then we'll see where that ends up. Uh, yeah. And then, so Mike and Kathy are coming this coming weekend, so uh, probably not going to get a dirt bike ride in, which is, you know, kind of fine for me. I'm I'm still just real hesitant about this knee with this still constant clicking and then the aching that results from the clicking. So, um, yeah, we've got we're going to go to a comedy show while they're here, and um, obviously, eat our way through the weekend as we usually do. So that that should be fun. Um, eat some good food and and enjoy our time. So that should be good. Yeah. Um, man, I I have a couple of like philosophical topics, but uh, I don't <laughs> I don't think I uh, I am quite in the mood to talk about. It. I will say, I will say that um, I've been dipping into. Uh, well, I have been reading. I think I mentioned that. Um, you know, I read through a lot of or a few of the uh, Freakonomics. Books. um It actually turns out I, I read through Freakonomics, like the the regular Freakonomics books, "When to Rob a Bank," which is from the guys who wrote Freakonomics, and then "Think Like a Freak" again, from the guys who wrote Freakonomics. So I read those, uh, and then I read Malcolm Gladwell's "Talking to Strangers," which is very good. I do recommend that. That is really interesting. Um, it's just, I guess the the big takeaway there for me, if I haven't already summarized this, I may have already talked about this. Sorry if I have. But the big takeaway from Talking to Strangers, that book from Malcolm Gladwell, was that um, people people inevitably misread other people's intentions and character, and uh, you really have to take people on a case-by-case basis. Your Your experiences of what people do that indicates a certain thing from the past are not necessarily what's happening right now in front of you, so... I think making, it seems like making judgments based on past experiences of how people react and, and, you know, what you're perceived, what you perceive as their motivations is not great, which is kind of how that comes across. But I think another lesson to learn there is that, you know, we do need a certain amount of like intellectual laziness because we can't just be evaluating every scenario as if it's brand new uh, because it's terribly inefficient and, um, you know, the, uh, the the cost of the occasional lie is basically the cost of doing business because conversations are if more efficient if you give people the benefit of the doubt and just kind of, you know assume default to truth as um, as they say, as Malcolm says several times in the book, if you just default to that the other person is telling the truth and that it's a mutually beneficial or mutually honest conversation, then you know things are more, efficient and like I said those few times when that person is lying or deceiving you are are kind of the rare um, exception to the rule and so you you know you just can't you can't live your life well you can but it's not very efficient to live your life thinking that everybody's out to screw you and and trying to be critical of every little thing Um, it'll wear you out so then I read uh, Aziz Ansari's Modern Romance, which is very interesting. I think the big takeaway there is that uh, modern romance sucks. <laughs> just from the standpoint of like dating apps and things like that, there's this overwhelming amount of choice that you have because you have all these people just in your pocket at all times, which can lead to you being like very willy nilly, like uh, dismissing people that you could have. Really had something with if you'd just gone on a second, third or fourth date with them. Uh, and so Aziz kind of his big takeaway, it seemed like, was that to, to, to put more effort into people, to, to spend more time on third, fourth and fifth dates, getting to know somebody even if the first impression isn't great. So that was interesting, um, especially since I'm not in that dating world, and never really was in the online dating world. And, and then so I started reading Malcolm Gladwell's uh, What the Dog Saw, which is what I wanted to read when I started reading Talking to Strangers, but it was uh, already checked out, quote unquote, from the digital library. And uh, I just couldn't get into it. The stories were just so long and didn't really come to a head very uh, closely because each, each piece was kind of like an article that Malcolm had written for The New Yorker, I think. Uh, And so we just kind of combined all of these that were kind of pertinent to a particular subject into this book. And so I lost interest in that fairly quickly. And then I started reading, because literally none of my other options that I want to read were available. I started reading Matthew McConaughey's Green Lights, which is um, actually turned out to be more autobiographical than I enjoy right now. Um, And so again, I got like, I don't know, 10% into that book. And realized just it was is basically just him giving examples from his upbringing and early life, and then basically his life up to up till now. Um, but I, you know, I only got to up until he was I don't know thirteen or something. He the stories up to that point, um, but just the book is basically autobiographical accounts of all these events that happened that you know were. We're either a green light, which is like a like a good thing in life that, um, you know, propels you forward and it's a positive thing or it's a yellow light that maybe slows you down, but it's still not stopping you or a red light that will eventually turn green. And so it's basically just like how how these different events in his life shaped him and and how he learned to recognize that, you know, there's always another green light around the corner always, you know. For every bad, there's a good type of situation and and like I said, it's a little more autobiographical than I cared to read. So I broke down and spent some money and just I you know, I started to read because you can read like a selection of these books before you check them out. And so even while somebody else has that has all the books, all the uh, e books checked out, if you can imagine that, all these e books checked out um, by um Uh, So there's one book called the righteous mind, why good people are divided by politics and religion. I was like, I want to read that really badly. Like that is like right up my alley. It sounds like from the title. And so I really wanted to read that the library does have that book, but it is checked out. All their copies are checked out. And so it was like four to five weeks out before I would get to read it. So I read like the 60 pages that they let you read without checking it out. And I got kind of hooked on it. So I was like, ah, fuck it. I'm just going to spend the money. So I bought it on Amazon for 15 bucks, the ebook version. Um, So then I picked up where I left off and uh, that's where I am now. So I'm really interested in it. It's, it's very scientific, uh, which is kind of a little more dense. Um, It's definitely a little more science heavy than talking to strangers, which was already kind of uh, pretty heady, um, but definitely more so than modern romance. So, I'm still trying to like read a little slower to try and pick everything up, but uh, it's pretty interesting so far. The Righteous Mind, Why Good People Are Divided by Politics and Religion by Jonathan Haidt. Um, that's H A I sorry, H-A-I-D-T, um, written in 2012. Um, and so the description of it is, um, uh, let's see... It's a psychology book by Jonathan Haidt in which the author describes human morality as it relates to politics and religion. So uh, in the first bit that I'm reading so far, he basically talks about how morality is uh, comes about in children and uh, how different cultures deem things as moral or immoral. And, and um, it seems like the theme so far is that in the West, morality comes down to uh, whether or not. An action harms somebody, so any action that harms somebody else um, is deemed immoral. But other things are just other things that don't involve harm to an individual or collective group are um, just social conventions, which are are much more acceptable to violate. Uh, and so, there's another thing is that uh, in our culture, in Western culture, which is probably no surprise, we're a lot more individualistic uh, versus other cultures that he looks at. And I forget which exactly, but they're more uh, sociocentric I think is the word he used, which is, you know, more um, the good of the group. Um, so less about the individual. So it's, it's been pretty interesting. Um, sorry if your eyes glazed over during that, but uh, yeah, so I, I think I've settled on this. I spent some money on it, so I'm going to read the whole thing. Um, Cause I, I stopped reading uh, green lights like 10% in and I stopped reading what the dog saw. So uh, I think I'm going to stick with this one. I made myself a little, a little spreadsheet to keep track of the books that I want to read and the books that I have read. And so I've got myself a little, a little spreadsheet here to keep track and, and um, grab the next book that I want to read and and hopefully add new ones to it. That way I've always got some to pick from. Um, So yeah, that's been interesting. Uh, Looking forward to reading that after I get done here with this podcast. And we just hit an hour, so I think it's about time to wrap it up. (laughs) So, um, this has been another therapy session of Reese's Peace. Uh, Thank you all for listening. You are great therapists, great listeners. Man, you should get paid for this, you listeners out there. This is pretty pretty good. Anybody ever tell you you're a great listener? Well, you are. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Uh, So, let's see here if I can remember my sign-out. Wherever you are, whatever you're up to, I hope you're having a good morning, good day, good afternoon, whatever it happens to be, and uh, I will uh, catch you on the next one. Be good.